Welcome to the Newsmax Daily Podcast. I'm your fill-in host for the week, Kay Smythe from The Daily Caller. I'm taking over for Tony Marino, and it is finally Friday, fam. Tony, I can't thank you enough for letting me take over for the week. I hope you've had a great one. Uh, I don't even know where to begin today. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. It's been quite a scary couple of weeks. I think everyone in the country is sort of a little, a lot more tense than we were uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, when that war started. This one hits a lot closer to home. We're seeing a lot more violence in America. We're seeing a huge increase in terror threats. But here's the thing, right? You're probably not gonna hear a lot about this over the next few days, because every Friday we have this thing in the news media, it's the same in politics, Uh, it's probably the same in a lot of private companies, but on Friday, all of us, we like to take out the trash. Today is the day where you will be deluged with information. You will receive more information today, tomorrow, and Sunday from your news organizations than you will probably for the rest of the week ahead. You'd probably think it was the other way around, but that's not really how it works. Most news, most of the big, scary, important stuff that hits you at home gets shared between Friday and Sunday because most of the people that run what I like to call the corporate mainstream news media, or big news, if you will, uh, they're counting on you not paying attention. So if they ever get called upon in the future, say, well, you didn't tell us that this thing happened. You didn't warn us about this. They can say, yeah, we did. We wrote a 200 word uh, blog post about it on Friday at 8 p.m. So today is actually one of those days where I always tell people, you know, pay attention to the news. If you're cooking with family tonight, if you're hanging out at home, it looks like we're gonna have a real cold snap across pretty much the entire Eastern sector of the country. Uh, But if you're at home, if you're hanging out this weekend, even if you're just doing chores, I'm going to be choring a little bit. I like to put on the news in the background because you'll hear some stuff that you would never believe. Anyway, this is why Friday is one of the most important news days of the week. And I want to start off this Friday with an absolute bang. So here's Carl Higby on Frontline giving you the burst of adrenaline that you need to get going today. I've been warning you, do not make this America's war. And this is my problem with conflict in this region in the Middle East. This civilization has been at war with itself for the last 3,000 years, with religion always in the top two reasons for every conflict. The recent military attacks on our U.S. military bases on Iraq, in Iraq and Syria, just recently, like in the last few hours, are a distinct escalation against the United States. I told you these people feel the same way about us as they do about Israel. It was just a matter of time. I'm saying this to all our elected officials right now. You ask, why would they do something like this? Well, because these people are uneducated, unintelligent fanatics who are willing to die to inflict the most damage wherever and whenever the opportunity presents itself. The average person carrying out these acts has no plan beyond what they're told. But there is a plan coming from the very people that this administration refuses to implicate, Iran. You want to know how I know? Because today, Iranian-backed Houthi militants fired two to three missiles in the direction of an American warship that were just shot down. Two things. First, that was really stupid of them to do. And second, Americans have been very reluctant to get involved in this foreign conflict. They just have, myself included. 
But let me tell you, when you start firing rockets at our people and our bases, the surge of American support, including our representatives, to go and kill these people in every country they exist in will rock the Middle East. I, I hate the notion of war, folks. I do not want to do it. I've been there. It is horrible. But do not confuse my reluctance with my country's ability to turn your region into Lake America. I, I don't know how much clearer this can be. Iran is the root cause of all of this. They have been at war with us since they took our hostages in 1979. We haven't been at war with them, and we've just been unwilling to admit it, but they have been at war with us. They have backed weapons that killed U.S. service members, including some of my friends in Iraq. The individual acts of terror across the world, they backed that. These people have been emboldened, though, by the lack of U.S. strength over the last three years. If Joe Biden can find some strength, please, I will stand behind him wholeheartedly. But he needs to wake up and realize what our greatest threat is right now. To choose love over hate, unity over disunion, progress over retreat. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. It's just not. It's not white supremacy. White supremacists are not firing rockets at our Navy ships. They're not flying drones into our foreign military bases. White supremacists are not making threats on the homeland that forces Manhattan to call in all 36,000 New York police officers into action. But terrorists are. There are much bigger issues facing our country right now, Joe. And again, if you can just realize it, I will stand behind you on it. I think you're wrong on pretty much everything else, but I will back you on this. You need to make sure that Iran stands, understands. If they continue this crusade, they have to believe that America could turn their entire country into a six-foot-thick sheet of glass. And when Trump gets back into office, he'll probably bring in the largest oil rig he can find and drill right through it and milk you dry. We need to send this message now. If you fund terrorism, if you attack our allies, and especially if you attack our bases, our troops, and our assets, the last thing you will see is the fin correcting the trajectory on a 500-pound JDAM. Like, can you imagine if Carl Higby had power within the government right now, how much safer we would be as a country? I know, it's ridiculous. I think about that often. I often think about like, oh, you know, if like everything fell apart, like if we go like full civilization collapse, I know that I can take care of myself. I know that I can take care of my family. But if I were to build a tribe, Carl would be the first person I put on that list. And he knows that. So, you know, we've got our deal worked out. And another thing that I love about Carl is the guests that he brings onto his show. Now, obviously I'm biased as I am one of those regular guests, but last night we had Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill and Brigadier General Blaine Holt both joined Carl, and I really want you to hear what they had to say. And uh, yeah, well, you can tell me how you think. I'm on Twitter, I'm on social media, you can find me wherever you want to find me. But uh, yeah, I would really like to get your feedback on this one, because I thought it was, again, very tough. Joining me now to discuss retired Senior Chief Petty Officer, the man who killed Osama bin Laden, Robert O'Neill, and U.S. retired Air Force General, Brigadier General, and Newsmax contributor, uh, Blaine Holt. All right, uh, General, to you first on this one. I'm not sure why Biden is not getting that peace through strength actually works. He does not get that. He he understands the nuance of different types of money flows and the the 
the fragile ability to keep Iran on the hook and maybe somehow pay them enough money to uh, have a nuclear deal in which they may already have nuclear weapons. And what they refuse to do is to acknowledge that we have an ally and the ally's name is Israel. And to go to Israel uh, in Air Force One, not a C-17, imperil the office of the president of the United States and then embarrass our ally at a mm. time of great warfare after horrific war crimes were committed. Um, only emboldens your enemy that you gave $70 billion to, whether it's illicit oil sales, unlocking bank accounts, uh, hostage deal for $6 billion. And now you depart Israel with the, the notion that, hey, $100 million going to Hamas, if maybe they'll feed the Palestinians, would be a good idea. No. So American weakness projected is is why you get missiles out of Yemen fired at the uh, USS Bataan. And so let's be very clear what the flagship target was in that flotilla. Yeah. Uh, Rob, my issue here is you and I, look, we, we look these guys in the eye. We've definitely taken some lives. And they don't understand that if they think or they know that we will beat them toe-to-toe and that we're willing to do it, that they will not bother us in the first place, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Carl. And, and anytime. We, as Navy SEALs or Marines or soldiers or the Air Force, have uh, met the this enemy toe-to-toe. We beat the crap out of them. It's not even a contest. They, I think that their uh, memory is a little bit short because they sort of remember the United States when we get politicians and lawyers involved and we decide we're going to, for some reason, try to build nations and build schools and bring in Jeffersonian democracy. But when we put our, our foots on their necks, we win really quick. And everything from them dying to just simply crapping their pants, I've seen both. That's yeah. what we're capable of doing. And, you know, part of me just out of boredom is ready to do it again. You know, I do some pretty weird things out of boredom, too. I mean, I don't kill terrorists. Uh, I guess I would if I was allowed. Like, if that was my job. Absolutely. Here for it. Actually, I don't know if I could. I don't think I have the, the strength for that kind of thing. Um, anyway, tell me what you guys do when you're bored. I do some really weird stuff. I mean, my go-to is, like, organizing things. Um, I think that's pretty normal for uh, most women. I know a lot of guys that do it too. I just watched the David Beckham documentary and he's got an OCD about that as well. Uh, anyway, one thing I don't like to do when I'm bored is uh, spread massive lies and propaganda. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about next. We're turning now to the type of propaganda that... Um, I, sort of, I guess I sort of talked about at the top of the show, right? Uh, how you're going to basically be told all the truth and all the real stories over the next few days. Um, but you've been fed so much propaganda this week by uh, big news that I just want to correct it ahead of time for you. So maybe you can get a break this weekend. Um, and I guess I'm not going to be the one explaining it. I'm going to turn this over to Rob Schmidt, who's going to talk about what I think is probably one of the biggest stories this week. Last night, an explosion at a hospital in Gaza was pounced on with tremendous vigor by the Western media and the anti-Israel left. One thing we learned last night, the media implicitly trusts the information that's coming out of Gaza, fed to them by sources controlled by a terror group that beheads children. Journalistic arrogance is one thing, but last night was about as humiliating as it gets for the news business. The Palestinian health ministry, a.k.a. Hamas, telling the world that Israel dropped a massive bomb on a hospital filled with innocent civilians who were fleeing war. The largest broadcast organization in the world, 
the BBC immediately trusted that and spread a story that came from Hamas without even doing any fact checking. A story that was hugely beneficial to the terrorist network's propaganda machine. Take a listen to the BBC's John Donison. And as you listen to this, keep in mind that he's reporting from 50 miles away in Jerusalem, away from all the action. And he's basically making up every single thing that he says. But it's hard to see what else this could be, really, given the size of the explosion, other than an Israeli airstrike or several airstrikes. Uh, because, you know, when we've seen rockets being fired out of Gaza, uh, we never see uh, explosions of that scale. So it's, it's hard to imagine an explosion of this size, he says, coming from anywhere other than Israel. We heard that from multiple outlets in the wake of this explosion, the massive bombing of a hospital. It was so big, it was too big to be a Hamas rocket. Hamas is David. This bomb came from Goliath. Everything that you would expect to hear as the media tries to spin us into a world war for better ratings. From the Irish Times, Israel-Hamas war, hundreds feared dead and many trapped in rubble after strike on Gaza hospital. A hospital was leveled, they said. Nobody had seen this, but that's what their buddies at Hamas had told them six seconds after it happened, so it must be true. And with all of that, let's show you the scene as the sun came up this morning when we discovered a hospital that was actually fully intact with a bombed out parking lot, that's for sure, maybe 10, 15 cars burnt to a crisp, but a hospital that was still fully intact, a couple blown out windows, but the building's still there. No 500 dead Palestinians, no collapsed hospital, no massive pile of rubble, no desperate search for survivors, certainly no indication of this huge Israeli bomb that our BBC fake reporters describe seeing. And that's because there was no huge bomb. The explosion that occurred was an errant missile that was fired from Gaza. You can see it here in this video. Remember, Israel has this entire area under constant surveillance. Hamas, either intentionally or unintentionally, blew up its own hospital parking lot. An intercepted conversation between two Hamas terrorists recorded by Israeli intelligence and given to the media by the IDF revealed a much more plausible explanation for what happened last night. It's the reality that anybody with a brain probably assumed all along. Take a listen. Cemetery right behind the hospital. Now, Newsmax has not independently verified this conversation. It was given to us by the IDF. But let's take a look at the incentives of a bombing like this. And we're going to let you decide for yourself what you think is real in this moment. We've shown you all the evidence. Right now, Israel is desperate to hold on to public support. There are Western uprisings all over the world in support of the Hamas attacks against Israel. Israel's support in the U.S. has fallen sharply in recent years. The worst thing that could happen to Israel right now would be an atrocity that shows a moral equivalency between Hamas and the Israeli government. And that's exactly what a hospital bombing and 500 dead Palestinian refugees would do. The New York Times alleges they employ the best journalists in the world, and somehow the New York Times couldn't see any of this that you could see and I could see and everyone else could see. Let's look at the evolution of the Times headline in the last 24 hours, starting with Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. 
Nope, dead wrong. Next, at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza Hospital, Palestinians say. Nope, it wasn't a strike. That implies it was intentional. And there certainly aren't 500 dead. So they change it again. At least 500 dead in blast at Gaza Hospital, Palestinians say. Okay, we fixed the strike wrong. We're still at the 500 dead, but, you know, it's the New York Times. You're never going to get it fully right. It doesn't really matter at this point, though. The damage is already done. Massive protests, violence at the U.S. and French embassies in Lebanon, violence at the Israeli embassy in Turkey, and reinvigorated protests all over the world. Great news for Hamas. I mean, Hamas couldn't ask for better news than this. So what happened after all these lies were spread? Well, a bunch of pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine supporters marched into the capital and had themselves a little insurrection, didn't they? Aww. Hundreds of people were arrested, but obviously there's been literally zero public outcry. Uh, there was no world stage of shock and horror. There was no pro-Palestine shaman going and, you know, doing stuff. I don't even know what happened on January 6th. Like, I have friends who tell me that they were at home and they saw the news and it was so dramatic and so scary. And I'm like, yeah, I can understand why like it got like that. But from everything I've read, it didn't have to be like that. One person died and she was shot by a cop anyway. This insurrection last night, uh, there was obvious aggression, like obvious aggression. Uh, one of my colleagues over at the Daily Caller Joel Gibbons, he was down there filming it. I highly recommend going and checking out um, his footage. Again, you can find it on my social media. Uh, he was, I, I, Joel's a tough guy and you could tell that he was scared with the crowd that was out there. Uh, but let's turn over, I guess, you know, let's let's turn over to the balance with Eric Bolling and uh, his guest, Laura Trump, Laura, Laura Trump, sorry. Um, She's one of my favorite people under the sun, been on her show many times. She's one of those women that makes me so proud to be a woman in 2023. And she's sort of leading the way, I think, in many ways of this like new wave of what it means to be a woman in America. Um, anyway, that's not what they're talking about today. They're talking about the insurrection. So let's listen to them talk about that. And uh, we'll just go from there. Over a thousand protesters have been charged for January 6th, most of them peacefully walking inside the Capitol building, charged for entering restricted grounds, obstructing or attempting to obstruct official proceedings. And the federal government threw the book at them. No mercy. Well, this was the Capitol yesterday, invaded by pro-Hamas sympathizers, chanting from the river to the sea, which means erasing the state of Israel. 300 of these Capitol stormers were arrested and several were charged with assaulting a police officer. Do you think they'll get the same treatment, held without trial, solitary confinement, and given the maximum punishments and sometimes over the maximum, serving years in jail? I doubt it. Join me now is Trump 2020 senior advisor, 2024 senior advisor, and host of the Right View podcast, Laura Trump. Laura, good to have you. You know, it reminds me of during the 2020 riots, the George Floyd riots, and CNN had reporters out there and MSNBC, and the buildings would be on fire, cars would be on fire, and the reporter would be looking around scared. At, uh, oh, mostly peaceful out here. Okay. The media is biased. Do you think anyone's going to be held for what happened yesterday? I mean, Eric, it, it's amazing to see. You're exactly right. The mostly peaceful 
protests we saw, literal fires in the background. And this is much the same uh, situation. I think had you replaced those folks in there who are cheering on a terrorist organization, an organization that beheads babies, that murders Holocaust survivors, that holds people hostage, and actually replaced them with Trump-supporting grandmas, yeah, they would have had their homes already raided by the FBI. They would have been held already in solitary confinement, given penalties up to 20 years in prison. But no, Eric, we all know the answer to this, and that is what's so frightening. Those people will be held to no standard, because it's not just that there is a double standard here in America, and if you support conservative values, one standard applies to you, and you, you support Democrat values, one standard applies, uh, applies to you. They just basically let anyone who leans left, it seems like, do anything they want. So no, I don't think you're gonna see the same sort of thing applied to these folks. It is absolutely disgraceful though, and everybody can see it for what it is. Well. That was my last clip for filling in for the Newsmax Daily podcast for this week. Again, my name is Kay Smythe. You can find me on all the regular social media platforms, but uh, honestly, I can't stand social media. So I actually recommend you go and check out all of Newsmax's social media platforms. Go check them out on YouTube, on Rumble. All of the clips that we played in the show today are available on there. Obviously, you can find Newsmax on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find all the hosts on there. And again, you can find all of the information, all the information that big news hides from you throughout the week, you will find it on Newsmax. All of those top stories that typically get dumped on a Friday night that get taken out in the trash, you'll know about them ahead of time if you're listening to Newsmax, if you're watching Newsmax, and especially if you're reading the website. It's a great website. Get the app on your phone, get all of that information in here today, and have a good time. I don't know if I'll be invited back. I, you know, sometimes I get invited back to parties and sometimes I don't, but if I do get invited back, I'll see you in the future, wonderful dear Newsmax listener. And if I don't, thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Godspeed and have a wonderful weekend. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.